Welcome to Fran Talk, where we talk all things franchising. Fran Talk is brought to you by Success Franchise Advisors. Our expertise, your franchise success. Let's get started. All right. Well, welcome to another session of Fran Talk. I am delighted to have with us today the lovely Kim Marino dialing in from New Jersey. She is the development manager and going to be talking to us today about a very unique and interesting brand. If you uh, are like me and enjoy the Food Channel, ever watch the uh, Diners, Dives, and Drive-Ins? It's uh, (laughs) been featured a couple of times on that show. By the way, I love that show. But uh, uh, interesting concept called Deji, uh, which is uh, pig in Korean. It's about uh, Korean flavors, Korean culture, just a really, really unique concept with some delicious food. Kim, as always, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to talk to us. And with that, I'm going to let you take it over and just kind of catch us up. Tell us what you can about Deji Korean Barbecue. Of course, Mark, thank you so much for having me. And, you know, Deji is a really unique concept. It's a Korean barbecue style restaurant that's progressively blending the tradition of Korean food with American culture. Um, gosh, in the past decade, America's demand for Korean food has increased 140%. And Korean barbecue was recently ranked number one on the food service trends to watch list. So now is definitely a great time to get in on a franchise like Deji while the, gosh, while the concept is just so hot. So like you said, they are a diners, drive-ins, and dives fan favorite. And it's always hard to say diners, drive-ins, and dives because it's a little bit of a tongue twister. Um, But they've been on the show three times, once for a traditional episode, once for an international flavors episode, and then again in 2020 for a special COVID takeout edition um, where they kind of challenged other restaurant owners to make each other's food. It was a really fun episode. So this is our CEO, Joe Kim, and fans love his bright red mohawk. But really what they love more are the flavors in his food. He, his favorite part about owning this full-service restaurant is the fact that it provides a community aspect where diners can really cook for one another, create memories, and all while passing down his Korean heritage to the masses. Deji has just been named, gosh, what did they call it? A fully immersive dining experience for foodies. And I think that's what Joe Kim is so proud of. So like you had mentioned, Deji translates to pig in Korean. And the all-you-can-eat concept invites diners really to come in and pig out. But more than that, the culture and environment of the restaurant are really so much fun for a night out with friends. Everyone prepares food for one one another and really serving each other in a sit-down, family-friendly environment, which is so important right now. Each restaurant features 10 to 20 barbecue tables. Um, You can see them here in the picture, but if you're listening to us on the podcast, think of a grill top in the center of your table that has um, not hot and protective area all around it. So for our younger diners, you don't have to worry about them burning themselves. Um, It's a very family-friendly environment. So they have 10 or 20 barbecue tables and... These are actually two of our locations in Denver, Colorado. The barbecue tables have that small grill that encourages diners to interact while grilling their meat to really curate the perfect bite. There's sauces there on the table to mix and match to make a unique flavor. 
Um, but if diners didn't want the all-you-can-eat barbecue, they can choose from a limited curated menu items as well. And this is where the people listening on the podcast are really going to miss out because we have some great pictures of this food here. So if they select the unlimited barbecue, they get a fantastic sampling of a succulent beef short rib, tender chicken, thinly sliced brisket, and a gluten-free pork belly that are just so good. (laughs) Um, They're all marinated in exclusive deji sauces, which are so delicious and available for purchase in retail bottles at the store. Also included in the unlimited menu are some amazing side dish items that include Korean staples like a spicy cabbage kimchi, a cucumber kimchi, and a fermented onion and jalapeno dish that is just out of this world. But if diners don't want to participate in the all-you-can-eat experience, like we mentioned, they can also select simple menu items. Um, This one here is a traditional Korean dish served over a warm rice um, that mixes meats and spinach and veggies. So you get a really awesome medley of flavors that just simply aren't available in most parts of the country. The crunch from the vegetables, savory meat with sweet sauces all in the same bite are really fantastic. And of course, diners can enjoy Guy Fieri's favorite dish, the kimchi stew, which is pork served in spicy beef broth, with noodles and vegetables. And I really hate talking about this stuff so close to lunchtime because we don't have a deji here in New Jersey just yet, but hopefully soon. And if you are a beer and alcohol drinker, some of the locations offer a full service bar that includes some Korean style beer. This one here is um, the Oink Ale, but they also offer the Piggy Bank Craft Lager and the Piggy Smalls IPA, just to name a few. All of the sauces and marinades and side dishes at Deji are made from Joe Kim's grandmother's recipes and passed down from generation to generation. If you know anything about Korean food, you know that it takes hours and hours of marinating to achieve these unique one-of-a-kind flavors. But to help franchisees and really create a turnkey solution, everything's prepared at a USDA co-packer and shipped to the franchise location, cold storage, and then it can be served when needed. When I went to a deji a few weeks ago, we were told that the kimchi we were eating was years old and it just sits marinating all that time to create a really unique flavor. And the really cool thing about that for a franchisee, it helps to provide the consistency and controls food costs with everything coming from that USDA co-packer. It allows people from all over the country to enjoy these unique flavors but it also eliminates off-hour food prep. So franchisee, this is a little bit more about the franchisee owner's role. They can be owner-operator or semi-absentee. As an owner-operator, they're involved in the day-to-day functions like ordering and inventory, staffing, HR, fiscal management, marketing. But if they prefer, they can turn all of that control over to a managing partner who would receive Deji training to ensure they're successful from day one. As a semi-absentee owner, they would still want to oversee the day-to-day operations, but this would allow them to diversify their portfolio with other businesses or scale their deji investment to open multiple locations. The ideal candidate is someone who loves Korean food. They're also looking for someone who has an MBA, which in this case stands for a mop bucket attitude. 
Joe Kim is really looking for someone who's going to do whatever it takes to uphold the amazing reputation that Deji has earned itself. And they want to make sure that all their customers enjoy every dining experience. Ideal candidates will also have some management experience as each location functions with a tight team of about eight to 10 employees. Um, potential franchisees have a liquid capital requirement of 300,000 and a net worth requirement of 1 million. The average investment ranges from 380,000 to nine, about $950,000, which includes a $45,000 franchise fee and existing locations reported up to $1.6 million in revenue. So this is a little bit more about why you should consider a Deji franchise. Like we had mentioned before, the demand for Korean food has grown significantly in the past decade. And Korean culture is becoming more and more popular in America, which can be seen with our music. Um, I mean, B2K just announced that they were all going to separate into solo careers. But B2K as a band is like the most popular band in the country. And they don't speak English. Um, if, If you're into skincare, I know Sephora has an entire section of their website devoted to K-beauty, TV shows. And if you're like me, you are counting down the days until Squid Games 2 comes out. The demand for Korean food really is just right along with the demand for the rest of their culture. In addition, we're starting to see Korean-type menu items on traditional American menus. And like we mentioned, the Korean barbecue has been ranked number one on Tyson's food service trends to watch. So everyone knows when you're dealing with an emerging brand, the first five to 10 franchisees are really going to make or break the future of the company. And presenting an emerging brand almost guarantees that your candidate is going to receive 100% of the franchisor's attention and resources to ensure that they are successful. After all, if one of those first few locations don't work on paper, no one else is going to jump on. Deji has big plans and an incredible product that is in serious demand with your customers. And that kind of takes us to the end of my presentation. Do you have any questions for me? I do. Thank you so much, Kim. That was a fantastic presentation, by the way. Uh, And just like you said, um, I knew I shouldn't have skipped lunch today because God, that food looks good. (laughs) It's making me hungry. Tell me about it. So, really stupid question here, but dumb down the whole grill top table concept. Are they bringing the food out raw and you literally cook it at your table? That's correct, which if I know a question coming up is going to be about staffing. Because all the food is coming out raw, you don't need to hire a chef. Just a short order cook to do some of those simple plated items, and that's it. When we were at Deji a few weeks ago, we went on a very, very busy Friday night. They only had three people working. I think those three people probably could have used another set of hands just because we're hypercritical being in this industry. But they had it under control, and they were able to service every single table easily. Nice. So does that mean because you're doing the cooking there, are are you able to, to turn tables as fast as the restaurant needs to turn? I mean, your numbers look fantastic, but is that are you there longer than you would a traditional uh, fast, casual, or sit-down kind of environment? It's definitely a full-service restaurant, and diners do tend to stay a little bit longer. But that's part of the Korean 
culture. They want to sit and really enjoy the time with one another. I think part of American culture is we're just rush, hurry, hurry, hurry. Mm -hmm. Um, So just as Americans, we're not sitting at a restaurant for very long. After the food is over and the grill is turned off, we're paying our bill and going. But Mm -hmm. Deji, as a concept, will invite their diners to stay in as long as they need. Um, And I believe uh, the original location is in Colorado, right? There are five locations all around the Colorado area, but yes, number one is in Colorado. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, is in Denver proper. <clears throat> right, okay, cool. And then are you going nationwide? Are you looking at or interested in specific pockets? What? From a corporate standpoint, they're looking into Hawaii next. Oh, nice. Um, we have two locations coming soon to Amarillo, Texas. And I would love to see some of them in the Northeast (laughs) because personally everything revolves around me, but from a corporate perspective, they're looking at the places where the population has just grown a lot. Places like Ohio, um, the Carolinas, Florida, that wherever the people are, that's where they want a dead Jeep to be. Please definitely put one here in Raleigh. (laughs) Right. It's a fun night out, something different. If you're going to the same restaurant over and over again, this is definitely a different type of night. So for perspective, I'm kind of envisioning the the environment, the experience, kind of what we get when we go to the Japanese place where the chefs flip the bottles. And I mean, but it's it's a very community oriented kind of experience. Is that is that a, a fair comparison? I think it is for your table. Each mm-hmm. table is separate from other tables, so it's not like you're at a long a long picnic table type of thing, mm-hmm. right. like a beer garden type of atmosphere. This is more sit-down table, but definitely that community aspect within your table, your family, your party, it, it, all the sides are shared. It's definitely that communal aspect, like a Thanksgiving mm-hmm. meal. Uh, price point. What I mean, is this considered like a high-end, like a... a- expensive steakhouse to go to? Is it considered, you know, middle of the road kind of? Two of the locations in the Denver area are in college locations. So their typical customer is a college kid. Um, Mm -hmm. The all-you-can-eat buffet, or I'm sorry, the all-you-can-eat sit-down option is about $22 to $26, just depending on which location you go to. And the other Locations that are a little bit larger, I think that all-you-can-eat menu item is about $33. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a little bit more high-end, but they also have a really quick um, lunch menu where instead of the all-you-can-eat, you get those simple simple menu items, and they are about $9 to like $16. So, no, it's not like... It's not like going to Sullivan's or, or something, a Ruth Chris or something. It, it's it's affordable food. And with all you can eat, are you kidding? I'll put you guys out of business for 22 bucks, all you can eat. What's also cool about it is because the meat is coming and it's cooked fresh at the table, these mm-hmm. are very healthy cuts of meat. All the sides are vegetable forward. Um, the sauces are very light, um, both packed with flavor. So this is a an option that fits with any of your dietary needs. Now, something you said about uh, the meat and its shelf life. Um, how oh, is I'm that sorry. possible? <laughs> well, it, not the shelf life of the meat, specific to the sides. Like the kimchi um, mm-hmm. sits fermenting for years. So the kimchi is specific. And since all the sides are getting shipped ready-made, 
mm-hmm. as long as they stay cold shipped, they're good to serve. The meats, on the other hand, it's a different story. They are going to be shipped cold, stayed in that cold pack before the franchise location picks them up and, sh- or I'm sorry, receives them and serves them. And typically, how often is are restaurants getting new deliveries? I mean, a lot of restaurants, the delivery comes daily, but because of this, it sounds like they're able to, to pre-order a fair amount, right? Absolutely. I think it would depend on the specific location, how many diners are going, but they can definitely get by doing once a week meat deliveries and then once a month on those sides. And I'm assuming very little waste, right? Which is a killer of so many restaurants. Very little waste. The sides that get sent are put, are plated relatively small. So as long as the diner finishes that one plate, they'll get a second plate, which is small. Definitely helps limit the amount of waste. Uh, you mentioned a, a limited lunch menu. Are most of your diners or most of your business, is it done over the, the dinner menu? Or does does lunch contribute a good portion of the revenue? A good portion, a good portion. Because these menu items are affordable and health conscious, the lunch crowd is big. And what kind of places are you looking to put these things in? Strip centers? You mentioned it's about 2,000, 2,500 square feet. Did I catch that right? Yes. Some of the locations currently are standalone. Others are part of a large strip. They're open to either. What's also important to note is during 2020. 2020 and COVID and all that wonderful stuff, Mm -hmm. was able to shift to those third-party delivery options, and that's available as well. So any location that would be able to serve, as long as there's like a drive-up capacity to pick up those third-party deliveries, they're good to go. Are you guys, will you guys entertain multi-unit owners? Absolutely. Good, good, good. All right. Well, uh, good deal. I believe that's all the questions I have for you. Very interesting concept. Looks like it'd be a lot of fun to own as well. Um, Seems like it'd be a a neat culture. And you're getting Uh, in with a really fantastic family. The entire Kim family is, they're really nice people. Heck of an endorsement there with uh, Guy Ferreri. I mean, you you can't go wrong with that. Everybody loves him. When we went out to Denver and hung out with Joe, he shows me his phone and Guy Ferreri's right there on speed dial. That's awesome. <laughs> I seriously, I, I love that show. I will spend Saturdays just binging on it. It's a good show. All right. Well, uh, Kim, thanks again for uh, joining us. And uh, we'll see if we can find you some good quality investors to uh, continue accelerating this growth. We can't wait. Thank you so awesome. much. All right. Thanks, Kim. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. This concludes today's episode of Fran Talk with Success Franchise Advisors. Hey, if you're serious about exploring franchising, we'd love to talk to you. For your complimentary, no obligation consultation, feel free to reach out anytime at info at successfran.net or visit us on the web at www.successfranchiseadvisors.com. As always, thanks for tuning in.